is great to be able to share with you this morning. Um, now I'm going to start off by asking you um, what you wanted to be when you grow up. I know some of us are more grown up than others. Some of us might still be uh, we're working it out. Um, some of us might have grown up and done it and lived it and um, experienced it all um, over the like over the past few years, whatever. But um, what did you want to be when you were grow up? The the most popular things you can put your hands up if this was you when you were younger. Um, a doctor. Anybody want to be a doctor when they're younger? As we've grown up, one or two. Yeah, a vet. A vet. You wanted to be a vet. No. Um, police officer. Firefighter. Uh, scientist. Engineer. Oh, a couple of engineers, yeah. Uh, musician or actor. Okay, a few more there. A professional athlete, maybe a footballer or something like that. A few more of them as well. Um, anybody want to be a teacher when they're younger? A few want to be a teacher, yeah? Or an astronaut? Anybody want to be an astronaut when they're younger? Okay. Not, there's no real clear winner there, I don't think. A lot of few different ones. But the question now I've got to ask is, Anne, is anybody doing the job that they actually dreamt of when they were a young child? We do have one or two. Excellent. That is uh, brilliant to see, isn't it, that you can have a dream when you're younger and actually be able to f fulfill that dream and go on that path uh, when you get older. Well, some of us might have had no idea. Some of us have a kind of a clear path set out for our lives ahead of us, and we're able to live that out, as a few of you have been able to do. You're able to kind of walk down that path as you journey through life. Some of us don't have an idea, or some of us end up taking completely different paths in life. There's no right or wrong way to live our life when it comes to jobs and things like that. For me, when I was growing up, um, I kind of changed around with different things that I wanted to do. Uh, I grew up on a farm, so my dad was a farmer. Um, from a very early age, I knew I didn't want to be a farmer. Um, if there's any farmers in here, if you're in or watching online or anything like that, I applaud you. Um, as soon as I saw the hard work, the time spent out in the wind and rain, I was like, yeah, too much like hard work for me. Definitely didn't want to be a farmer when I grew up. I used to go to my cousin's house. A lot of my family were farmers as well. So I used to go and stay at my cousin's house for a couple of days at a time. And you wouldn't really call it helping. I kind of followed him round for a couple of hours while he was doing the work on the farm. And I was just kind of looking at the clock, thinking, when's, when's the brew break? When can we go back in and, and uh, stick, go inside for a bit? But then I got a bit older, and I wanted to be a footballer. But then I got to the stage, kind of 10 or 11, and I realized I wasn't good enough for that, to be a professional footballer. I liked maths at school, so then I wanted to be an accountant for a while. Uh, somebody at my church was an accountant, so they said, oh, do you want to come, come in and spend a few days in the office and work in? I wasn't doing anyone's books or anything like that, um, but I got to kind of see what it was like. In about half an hour of that, I realized, yeah, I didn't want to be an accountant either. Um, I got to um, further on in school, and did anyone do those quizzes where you answer all these questions, and it tells you what your perfect job is, so the ideal job for you. So I did this, I did all these answers and put it in, I thought, oh, this is going to help me out, I've no idea what I want to do, this will give me, give me an idea, put all these things in, and it came up with a TV aerial installation guy. <laughs> um, it clearly didn't ask, do you like heights or not, because I'm not a big fan of heights, so spending all day on top of roofs and things like that would not be um, fun for me. So I got to this point where I didn't really have any idea what I wanted to do with my life either. But we might have other plans like things like getting married. I think some people say, I want to be married by a certain age or have an idea of how many children you want or what kind of house you want. 
that people have those dreams of I want a house with a nice white picket fence around it and these imaginative children playing on the swings in the garden, all things like that. We can have these dreams and kind of ideas of what our life is going to look like in the future. And as I said, some of us might be sat right in the middle of those plans and thinking, actually, this is the path I've dreamed about. This is what I kind of wanted for my life. Some of us might find ourselves in a place this morning, we're thinking, actually, I'm nowhere near where that is. The, actually, the, the thoughts, the dreams, the plans I had for my life and for my future, I'm nowhere near that. I'm so kind of off track. I'm so off the path that I'd thought that I'm nowhere near that. And that's, that could be a, a good thing or a bad thing in some ways, but life happens to us, doesn't it? That we have disappointments. It might be not of getting the career that we wanted to do. It might be the uh, family and our family doesn't quite look like we, we wanted it to or, or different things have happened in that. that. There's been different illnesses, different times of loss and breakups and things. And our life where we find ourselves this morning, it might not be where we'd imagined ourselves to be in the first place. But the thing is that God has got plans and purposes for every one of us. And we can end up like physically or with our jobs and careers and things like that. But actually, if you are with God, if you are close to God, if you are walking closely with him, then that's exactly where God wants you to be this morning. If you are close in relationship with him, and whatever your path looks like, if you're on that path in closely in relationship with God, then you are in the right place. Some of us might have drifted away from that relationship with God. It might be that things that life has thrown at us, we've actually drifted away from God because of that. And as we can look back on our lives or things that we're going through right now, and we feel far away from God because of those things. It might be times we feel like we've been let down by God, or we feel like God's not been there for us. And we, whether that's an intentional thing or not, but we feel in this moment far away from God because of the things that life, thrown, life has thrown at us. And I believe God really wants to put that right with us this morning. Now, we've been looking at our theme in the beginning uh, over the past few weeks. If you have missed any of those, they are available on Spotify and our website on podcast or uh, online service on YouTube as well. So make sure you go back and look at those if you've missed any. Um, but continue on that and looking at the story of Cain and Abel. So anyone this morning that's got an annoying brother or sister, this is the story for you. Um, Genesis chapter 4. Just a disclaimer, I'm not saying you should do what Cain does in this story if you've got an annoying brother or sister. Just to cover my back there. Sorry of what not to do. There we go. And with Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 16, it says, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you not do, what is, not, do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain has said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the fields. While they were in the, in the fields, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a, a restless wanderer on the earth. 
Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod. That story there, we can see that these, these two brothers brought an offering to God. And Cain's offering wasn't favored. That God favored Abel's offering. Uh, and Cain goes from this place throughout this story. It starts off as someone that's in relationship with God. He's obviously quite close to God. He's bringing an offering to God there. And he ends up, in the end of this story, wandering in the land of Nod. Nod literally means to wander. So he's literally wandering aimlessly, kind of away from God, not in the presence of God. And we see in this, this moment that he goes from someone that's bringing an offering to God, doing a, uh, what seems like a good thing in a good place with God, to the end of this story, he's just simply wandering away and not in this relationship with God. And there's two times in this, in this story, in this chapter, that God speaks to him, and Cain actually has an opportunity to try and put this right, to try and change this direction that he's, he's, he's set upon from this moment that he's, it brings this offering with a, a, a bad heart, with the wrong attitude, that it's not looked on favorably. From then on, he's got opportunities to kind of change that and put it right, but he ignores them and he takes the wrong path. Think about situations in your life. It might be something quite recently. It could be something a long time ago, but has there been situations in your life where something's happened? It might have really hurt you. It might have been a mistake that you've made. It might have been something that's happened to you. It could have been something that's happened to someone in your family. But is there a situation in your life that's caused you to wander away from God? That's caused that disconnect in your relationship with him? And because of that happening, it's set you on a path that has led you away from God. When you put a wedge in a piece of wood, it causes the, the piece of wood to split in half and go in two different directions. Has there been a moment in your life that's caused a wedge for you in you and your relationship with God? Don't end up in a place of wandering. That Cain is sent here in the land of Nod. He didn't have a choice of this because of uh, where we are and God, God, because of what he'd done. God sent him to this place of wandering where he was away from God. But as we continue to read in the Bible and we know that these, can, these, these kind of things happen in the Old Testament. But when Jesus came, he came to remove our separation from God because of the sin we've done. Essentially, we're all in the same place as Cain. We've all made mistakes. We've all sinned. We've all done wrong. And that caused us to be separated from God. That causes a wedge between us. But when Jesus came, literally the moment he died on the cross, the temple curtain was torn open. And our separation from God was removed. That allowed God's presence to come out from that place in the temple and live in our lives. So there no longer needs to be any separation between us and God. Whatever we've done in our past, whatever we find ourselves, However far away from God we feel this morning, there doesn't need to be any separation between us and God. Essentially, because of what Jesus did, the ball is now in your court. It is now your choice. God isn't going to banish you. God isn't going to send you away anywhere. God is accepting you. He wants you to be in close relationship with him this morning. The ball is in your court for that. But in this story, I think there's three things that Cain has done, or three kind of attitudes that Cain has that cause this separation and I think these can all be things for us that can, can quite easily pull us or push us away from God. I'm just going to pick on these three things this morning um, that might affect in some of us in here this morning. The first one is selfishness. 
The, the first reason why Cain gets mad is because he didn't get the approval he wanted from his offering to God. He wanted, he gave his offering, he wanted the approval for himself. He wanted to feel good about it himself. And when I was younger, um, I didn't get pocket money or anything like that. Um, like primary school age, I was quite young. So one Christmas, I decided, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll make a Christmas present for my dad. I wasn't able to go out to any shops. We lived on a farm, as I said, in the middle of nowhere. I couldn't just walk around the corner to a shop or anything. So I decided to make a Christmas present for my dad. And I thought, okay, I'll make this present, and my dad is going to think I am amazing. I'm like, I'm definitely going to be the favorite son, like a bit like Cain. I thought, he is going to think this is absolutely amazing. I thought, my dad's a farmer. What can I make him? I'll make him a model combine harvester. Now, if you don't know what a model uh, combine harvester is, it's the big machine that kind of chops up all the, the crops, um, sends them inside, and then it's got like a spout that, that sends them out into a trailer to catch them all. Um, so this big combine harvester, I thought, he'll love that. If I can make him a combine harvester, he'll think I'm amazing. Like, he'll probably cry because it's that good. And, uh, like, it'll just be the, this best moment ever. So the one, the one I could find, uh, I got a golden syrup tin. If any remember the, the, like the big golden syrup tins, the green ones, you'll know that kind of brand that I'm talking about. And um, I got one of these. And I found some yellow tissue paper because all the combine harvesters I've seen are yellow. I don't know if you do get other colored ones. I think they are usually yellow. Um, and I wrapped it in some yellow tissue paper, kind of sellotaped it around. Um, and then I found a, a red straw, one of them thin red straws that you put in like a little drinks carton that you stab in the top. I got a little red straw and sellotaped it on the top. I think I got like a little bit of, of paper on the end, for like the spout bit where the, the crops kind of come out and get sent out the top. So it's basically like a golden syrup tin wrapped with some yellow tissue paper with a straw stuck on top. So I was thinking, like, my dad is going to think this is amazing. He's going to, like, it's just going to be, like, the best present he's ever received. So Christmas Day comes, and I, I hand it to him, and he's like, oh, thank you very much. What is it? And, like, in that moment, I'm like, how can you not tell what it is? I'm expecting this, like, oh, this is the best, this is, this is the most realistic combine harvester I've ever seen. I'm expecting this kind of huge moment. And obviously, it, it didn't happen. My dad was very grateful, but I just couldn't tell what it was. Um, but when we give gifts to people, we don't give a gift for the, the thanks or for the, the, what it does for us. We give a gift for the person that's receiving it. It's to make them feel good for a gift that we think that they will like, that for whatever reason we're giving them a gift to celebrate them. And as an offering to God, we don't give our offering to God for what we can get back from him. That Cain was given this offering with a selfish heart. It was an offering that he wanted approval in return for. And we can often do that in our worship as well. We can, maybe it's just simply that we only come to God in the times that we need something from him. We only pray when we actually need, something, need God to do something or help us with something in our life. We don't spend time just in relationship with God and worshiping him because of who he is. Do we do that when we give our finances as well? Do we give our finances to God and, and to the church and thinking, actually, I'm, I'm giving because I'm expecting something back from this? Or is it simply an act of worship to God because God asks us to in obedience to him? Our worship should be born from who we are worshipping, not what we are going to get from it. And the thing is, you are loved so unconditionally by God. There's nothing we can do to gain more of his approval anyway. We can't, by what we give or what we do, God isn't going to love you anymore. He loves you so much in the first place, before, more than we can even imagine or understand. There's nothing you can do that is going to gain more of God's approval anyway. The second thing that Cain does that I think we can relate to as well is comparison. Now he's obviously brought an offering that wasn't, God didn't favor 
And I think that was a standalone thing with the, maybe the heart that Cain had. But because Abel also brought an offering, Cain compared it to him. Now, I am a younger brother as well, and all I wanted to do growing up is to compare and compete with my older brother. So I can kind of understand Cain's annoyance, maybe, at having a younger brother that maybe has seemingly done better than him in this situation. But the fact that he blamed his brother, or blamed everything of this whole situation on his brother, and decided to go and kill him is a bit over the top, I think we'd all agree, isn't it? But the thing is, comparison will destroy any chance you've got of being the person God is calling you to be. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, it says, Put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You are created to be like God in his image, the person that he has created you to be. He's not created you to be like anybody else. He's not created you to be like your neighbor, even your brother or your sister. God has created you to be the new you, to be the best you that you can be. Putting off your old self, becoming the new person God is calling you to be. And how can you become the person God is calling you to be if you're using the wrong measure, if you're measuring the wrong way? When I was at high school, um, I started high school, I was the shortest in my class. I used to get called Titch. I was like one of the, one of the shortest, so... Um, I got to kind of 14, 15. I'd never kind of dreamed of, of being like six foot or anything like that. But I got to 14, 15, and I had a big growth spurt. I suddenly got reasonably tall. I'm not very tall, but reasonably tall. And all of a sudden, I was like, maybe I could become six foot. I was like, that would be amazing if like the shortest one in the class, this titch in year seven became six foot. That'd be like amazing. But if I, so I got to a point where I like regularly measure myself when I was kind of 18, 19. I thought, am I, how, how tall am I getting? And um, if I'd measure myself in kilograms, I'd never match up to six foot because I'm using the wrong measure. If you're measuring yourself by someone else's standards or by someone else's life, you're using the wrong measure. You're never going to be the person that God is calling you to be. For Cain, if he's comparing himself to his brother, he um, had the crops and things like that. He was bringing fruit offerings like that. His brother had, had livestock and managed the livestock, but he was bringing the, the fats and the, the animals that he had. So comparing himself, what his offering to his brother's offering is completely the wrong thing to do. Maybe you should have tried bringing oranges instead of apples or left out the moldy ones. I don't know what was wrong with his offering. But he was comparing himself to his brother. He should have, comp con uh, sorry. He should have carried on with what he was doing and being the person God was calling him to be. I love the story of, of Jonathan David in the Bible. So that uh, Jonathan is the son of King Saul. And obviously everyone's expecting, you're the son of the king, you would expect then to be the next king after him. But David, his best friend, had been uh, anointed and chosen to be that next king instead. Now Jonathan, if he would have compared himself to David, thought, oh, no, I want to be better than him, I should be the next king. He could have lived his life in competition or comparing himself to David. But actually, God's plans and purposes for Jonathan's life was to be that friend, to be that support, and to be that strength for David. He didn't compare himself to David. He lived out who God was calling him to be in that time as well. For us, it might be forgetting what your neighbors are doing, forgetting what other people in church are doing, forgetting what the people around you, you don't compare ourselves, you say, um, looking at the Joneses and keeping up with the Joneses. Forget what either other people in your lives are doing. Le measure yourself to God's measure, to his word, to who God is asking you to be. Spend time in God's word, who this new creation God is asking you to be. Work out what that means for your life. The third thing, if the band want to come back up now, is their appearance. The, the second time that God comes to, to Cain, 
uh, and he says, where is your brother Abel? He tries to hide the wrong that he's done. He says, I don't know, I'm not my brother's keeper, after he's just gone out in the field and killed him. Now, in, a, in our car, um, one of my children that, that sits behind me in the driver's seat, one time we were driving along, and they start kind of kicking the back of my chair, just a bit bored in the back of the car, and start kicking, kicking my chair. And um, I politely say, oh, can you stop that, please? And uh, the answer is, it says, it's not me, it's so-and-so, one of their siblings, who is at school. Um, so obviously, um, they're just trying to blame anybody else, the first person they can think of that comes into their head. But we can often, we can often hide the wrong we've done, I think. If I just hide it and put it away, if no one else knows about it, it'll just go away. It's not going to harm me. And we can try and hide these things from God as well. We can think, I can still carry on with my life with, with this going on in the background, with these, these emotions, these, these thoughts inside of me. And Cain maybe just thinks that if I can just lie about it and tell it's not there, it's, it's going to go away. Everything will look like everything's fine. If I appear to everyone else that everything's okay, that I'm doing good, then that will be enough. But God, is, God wants to deal with the mess in your life, that these wedges that are in our life that are causing our separation between us and God, God wants to deal with them. God wants to remove them. He wants that closeness of relationship with us. And if we're in denial, if we're not able to acknowledge the things in our life that are hurting us, the things that are wrong in our life, then we're not, we're not going to be able to have that true close uh, relationship with God. And God can deal with your mess. Whatever it is you're facing, whatever the things that you're going through, whatever habits, whatever goes on in your life behind closed doors, God can deal with it. And he wants to have that close relationship with you through it. These things that we've talked about this morning, that we can be at different points in our lives. It can be something that is just starting to creep into our lives. It can be ways of thinking. It can be, for Cain, it was anger. Um, and that the emotions that he felt that got on top of him. There can be things that can start as quite small in our life, but can actually cause huge separation in our lives between us and God. There can be things that have happened way in the past that we've never fully dealt with. We've never fully brought before God and said, God, I really want you to heal this. I really want you to work on this in my life because of how it's affected me. If you'd like to stand, I'm just going to pray for us now as I close. I'm going to pray for us all now, but if there's something specific that maybe you've identified in your life um, and you want kind of prayer from the, the, the leaders are going to be here at the front during this next song, um, you don't have to say what it is. It might be that you just want prayer from them. It might be that you do want to kind of talk about what it is in your life. But I'm just going to pray for us all this morning that there's no wedges causing that separation between us and God. As I said, through what Jesus did, the, the ball is now in your court. God's not banishing you off. God's not sending you into wandering. God's not sending you away. Through what Jesus did, he is waiting with open arms for you to come in that close relationship with him this morning. Don't let there be any wedge of separation. Don't let there be anything that's causing you to, to stay distant from God, to stay away from him this morning. Yeah, Lord, I thank you for every person in this room, Lord God, for everyone that's watching at home online as well. I pray for each and every person that you would help us to search our hearts this morning, God, for where we're at, where we're at on our path, Lord. If we're walking closer with you or if we feel far away from you this morning, God, I pray that you help us to identify the things that are in the way, the things that we're maybe not dealing with, that we're trying to ignore, the selfishness, God, the comparison, those things in our lives that can cause us not to live in the way that you fully want us to, God. I pray for every person that's acknowledging that in this room now, Lord, that you help them, give them the wisdom, give them the, the right people to talk to, the right words to say, God, just to be able to bring them before you. 
to be healed, God, to be restored, to be forgiven this morning, Lord.